I'm David W. Berner, and this is The Writer's Shed. Welcome to another podcast, everybody, and this time we are outside the shed. It's too hot in Chicago today. The shed, well, it does not have AC, so we're uh, we're on the patio uh, just outside the shed here. Even the dog is hot today. Dog days of summer, right? On this episode, audiobooks, they are everywhere, of course, and they're growing, and those talented people behind them, well, how do they do that? How does an indie author pull this off? And what should they do? What to pay attention to? What to be aware of? Do they do it themselves? Or do they hire the best? With me, two highly talented voiceover artists, actors, writers, and voiceover artists who together have voiced dozens and dozens of books, Lisa Cordeleon and Brian Paharchek. So Lisa and Brian, thank you so much for being uh, part of the Ridership podcast this time around. I, I appreciate it. It's good to see both of you. Uh, I know, Lisa, you're in Raleigh. And Brian, you're just down the street from me. So, Yeah, a couple feel, blocks away. Like we're so close. <laughs> yeah, so far away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's good to see both of you and good to talk to you. So I wanted to, to talk about audiobooks. And it's not something that is necessarily new and astounding. I mean, they've been around a while. But I think with a lot of indie authors, uh, self-publishing authors, even small publishers, who want to put their books out there as an audiobook too? I think they might be a little bit lost about how to do this the best way, how to find talent, how to decide whether they should be doing it or not. Um, sometimes that is not the case, um, or not a good idea. Um, although I would say that maybe memoir sometimes makes sense for that person to do it if they can do it correctly. But Let's talk about that a little bit. So tell me a little bit about your background, first of all. Lisa, I know that you've done a lot of voiceover work, acting, a lot of those things. But voiceover has been a real sort of like um, the main ingredient in your in your recipe here, right? Uh, yeah, I think I found a lot of success in voiceover because I feel so free behind the mic. Maybe because no one's looking at you, so you can just be free <laughs> to just do your work. Um, yeah, and audiobooks have really, for the past 10 years audiobooks have really been the backbone of my business and commercials too, but um, really audiobooks. And uh, over the past 10 years, I started before um, ACX existed. So um, I had to go a different way about reaching out to, to production companies. But and just so everybody knows, uh, ACX is sort of uh, like the, um, the connection to Audible and Amazon and all those things where you can kind of do it yourself, correct? Right, it's the uh, Audible Creative Exchange, right? Right. Yeah. Hope I didn't screw that up. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's uh, Audible cre Creation Exchange or something like that. Yeah, no, uh, we don't know. We don't know, but they're there and it's a platform. And yeah, it's where authors and um, narrators and uh, editors, engineers can come together to produce audiobooks. Right. So it's and just a nice too, platform. Yeah. 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 So Brian, you, you teach, I mean, obviously you're an actor and, and you've done this kind of work before, but you also teach voiceover, which I think is a unique perspective to this. Tell me a little bit about what you've been doing in this field. Um, well, my, my experience is probably quite the opposite of Lisa's. Um, I, I have, I'm more of a voiceover generalist, so I do a little bit of everything. So um commercials pot um uh, oh, podcast obviously uh, <laughs> um some audio drama um you know a lot of corporate work uh my audiobook 
experience has been uh, limited to what are called full cast recordings. So I've done a handful of audiobooks where I've just played a particular role in a book as opposed to uh, narrating, you know, the, the book in its entirety. Um, and I have a lot of respect for the people like Lisa that are out there that take on this work because there's, there is a, a mountain of it out there and it's, uh, it's a lot. Um, so yeah, I do a little bit of everything and, uh, my, um, my knowledge of, of audiobooks really has come from having friends like Lisa and, um, a few other folks here in Chicago that, uh, really do this work all the time. And I've kind of picked their brains and tried to figure out if it was something that I wanted to get into. And I'm dipping my toe into it in a broader uh, spectrum now. But um, like I said, for the for the most part, my experience has been the larger productions that have been uh, more full cast audiobooks. And I, and I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about here, because when we think of audiobooks in the in the traditional way, it's one voice reading the book. That's it. Um, but it's become in a lot of cases in certain genres, it's become the full cast. It's become a, a, an audio show in a lot of ways. And, and that's a, that's like a step up. I mean, that is a whole other unbelievable process. Um, it's that very I, fun. Maybe, I, yeah. But it's I think maybe a first time author or an indie author might be, it might be too much to take on. Right. Yeah, I think so. It's it's the only time I've ever done a full cast recording was at Random House um, out in L.A. And and it's probably similar um, in Chicago when you go into a studio and you work with other actors and you sit down in the same recording studio and you're playing one role in something. There's a lot of production that goes into it and a lot more logistics, I'm sure, just to get all the actors there and scheduled and everything. I think I've seen more. Um, yeah, the full cast recordings are like a whole production and almost uh, could lean into the kind of production that narrative podcasts have started to do over the past few years. We've seen narrative podcasting happening, um, but traditionally audiobooks are just one on one and sometimes they're dual narration. Um, I've seen that with a lot of romance books. Mm. I don't I don't typically I've never done a dual romance or a dual <laughs> dual romance, a dual uh, narration before. I've only done you full cast. We, we're, we're I mean, up right now. Let's do what it. year is it? I have no clue. <laughs> um, I say, I just sit in here and I audition in front of a blue screen and, and then I record books. Talk <laughs> um, I talk to myself. Yeah. Yes. So, so let, let's let's talk about it from the, the standpoint of an indie author or a self-published author or an indie publisher or a smaller publisher who says, okay, I want to do this. Where do they start? How do they, how do they process this? Is ACX a way to go? Are there other ways? How do they find the right voice? How do they begin? I think that most voice actors uh, in this day and age know from the amount of competition that's out there that to be viable as a professional, you have to put yourself out there, meaning that you have a website, meaning that you're on social media in some way, shape, or form. Um, you have a way for people to contact you and find you, and you have a place to put your samples online. Um, there are services out there, like we've already talked a little bit about ACX. So, you know, uh, Lisa maybe can go into a little bit more of that. Another one that I use is Ahab, Ahab uh, which is, is great. Yeah, which is tied to uh, Penguin Random House. Um, there, there are these platforms out there that are useful for casting there are a ton of voiceover casting websites and um acx and ahab are, i don't include in this 
Um, but we refer to these websites in the voiceover business as pay to play websites. Um, and a lot of producers, a lot of uh, people that might be an author that uh, is in the indie world that wants to get their book narrated might not understand that these websites are in some way predatory. They, they're taking uh, additional fees from the actors just to be able to audition for projects, just to be able to make a connection with these uh, authors that are out there. And I never, ever recommend to anyone that this is the way to go. Uh, it is certainly the easiest path. If you go you know, to your phone or to your laptop and you type in, um, you know, uh, narrators, uh, audiobook narrators, voiceover, looking for voice talent, you'll find a million of these websites. Uh, and it's certainly the easiest path if you're doing a search and trying to find talent. Um, but it, I feel like it's not the best way to, to uh, find talent in a way that's not going to cost you and the talent <laughs> uh, extra money in the long run. Yeah. Um, it might take a little bit more legwork, but like I said, most voice actors these days have their own websites, have their own uh, way of representing themselves out there in the universe. Um, there are also talent agencies that rep all kinds of voice talent. So if you have a very specific sound that you have in your, in your mind, you're like, you know, there is a person, there's a unique voice that I hear in my head to represent this character. The chances are, if you reach out to a, a, um, a well-known voiceover agent, talent agent, they will go, yeah, I've got six people that, that, you know, fit that demographic that you're looking for right. here let me get you an audition from those six people and uh, to me that's a good uh, a good jumping off point because you're 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 putting your part of the production in the hands of people that know the talent side of the production as opposed to an automated business that's just trying to take <laughs> trying to make money off of both sides of the equation yeah you know <laughs> you brought that up about the predatory part because there is you know, a lot of that in the print side of this too, in the self-publishing yeah. world that are just not very upfront um, with the kinds of things that they do uh, and the fees that they offer. So, you know, buyer beware out there. But so Lisa, okay. do you, I, I assume you agree with Brian, but I'm also wondering now, how does a, how does an author or an indie publisher choose the right voice? Yeah. Um, well, just to piggyback on what Brian's saying, I think it's a cool idea to go through agents. A lot of people don't go through agents for audiobooks, um, but you can. You certainly can. Um, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, most like professional actors who are audiobook narrators, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's very difficult, specialized work. So um, a warning to the indie authors out there that like you get what you pay for. So please pay your actors what they're worth for their time. It is a lot yeah. of work. Here, here. I'm just going to say that. Um, and, and also what you can do is maybe even go to the union's website to SAG-AFTRA and look through um, and find a local in your area. Um, if not, you can look at Chicago, New York, LA, and you can reach out to them um, and ask them, you know, who do you have a contract with in terms of audiobook production companies? So that way that you can become a signatory and you can pay union actors or non-union actors to do your audiobook. So you can find out um, through the union, I think, which um, production companies out there have a contract with the union so that you can pay actors what they're worth for their time. And if you go through a production company, 
that deals specifically in this work, you will find excellent talent because the yeah. actors on their end are submitting to be on the rosters with these audiobook companies. Yeah. So that's 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 our whole job is like to stay current and get on as many rosters as we can. You know, that's how we get books or that's how I get books. I'll speak for myself is, you know, I'm on a, a you know, a bunch of rosters and people reach out to me and be like, hey, I got this book. Sometimes people will be like, hey, you want to read for this? Um, so so that's how a lot of the business works. Um, if you want, you know, really excellent talent um, that knows how to do this work and you're ready to pay them what they're worth for their time. Mm -hmm. I think going through the union to find out who those companies are is really important. Um, but, but how do they know what to choose? Yeah. I how think, do you pick a voice? So, so when I've taught audiobooks before, um, I, I talk about a few things with a narrator that are specific skill sets to being an audiobook narrator that you can't get around that you should have on your samples. For example, in an audiobook narrator should be able to, um, women should be able to play male voices and vice versa. Um, when we have a sample, we want to be able to hear that. Um, like if I'm playing a man and a woman in a scene, we want to hear that the male character stays consistent throughout the scene and that the woman sounds consistent throughout the scene. Um, and that the narrator is another voice distinguishable from the man and the woman and that all three voices stay consistent throughout and stay distinguishable from one another throughout. Does that make sense? So yeah. Yeah. We're, we're able to follow the story. Um, the, the rule of thumb for the narrator is if you're in it, we're in it. If you if you're in the story, we're in the story. So I think for the the author, what you should be listening for is can you follow? Are you in it? Are mm. they in it? You yeah. know, as opposed to like a maybe a preconceived idea of what you think it should sound like. Sometimes actors yeah. bring other things to the game. Right. I think. Yeah. Right. No, I think that's true. So I mentioned before, and and I, I'm a I'm a believer in this, but I have some background in audio, so it comes a little more. I'm not an expert, but I'm certainly a, a little more um, familiar with this kind of work. Um, but when you write a memoir, when it's about you, you know, when it's your personal story, um, it seems to me that if they can handle it and they can do it well, and, um, and whatever that may mean, that's a that's a wide ranging something done well. Um, it seems to me that a, that someone who has written a memoir should be the reader. That's their story. That's them. That's their voice. That's their life. Um, that's their experience. How do you feel about that? You know, to a certain point, I, I, I agree with you 100%. My wife and I are both audiobook connoisseurs. You know, we're, we lead busy lives. We have two kids now. We both have multiple business lines of income where we're doing multiple things at once. And so a lot of times our books are consumed via audiobook, right? And yeah. um, I know both my wife and I have chosen audiobooks that are uh, that are narrated by the the author just because we want to hear what we want to hear them read it, you know. Um, like David Sedaris's books, I always I'm like, yeah. I will always listen to his books because yeah. he's just so funny and has that delivery that just makes sense and with his writing style um but then another example and i i forget the name of the book but it was uh, uh bill clinton's memoir from years ago um and it was a voluminous i mean it, it this was back in the days when there was you know when 
audiobooks were on CDs. And I think there was like 19 or 20, 20 oh different God. CDs oh uh, that God. I had to swap out and listen to. <laughs> right. Crazy. Um, but the, the funny thing was I, that book just left such a huge impact on me. And I thought it was so well done, but it wasn't read by Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. He did the, uh, um, he did the intro to the book and he did, um, uh, he did like a little conclusion, you know, at the at the end. But the actor that they hired to play him, while not a perfect sound alike, he captured the cadence and captured the raw emotion of of what it must have been like to kind of go through that amount of scandal. And uh, like Lisa said, I think if you can if you can put yourself there as the actor, you can put yourself there as the narrator and you're in it, then the audience is going to be in it with you. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, like, I don't know what the right answer to that is. Lisa, how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. I think that like, you know, the examples that Brian's giving, it's like, yeah, Tina Fey should read her memoir because she's Tina Fey. Um, yeah. These, these are, I mean, Tiffany Haddish should read her memoir because she's Tiffany Haddish. Um, that's not to say that people who aren't known aren't talented, of course. I mean, like, there's so much talent that if you can do it, do it. Um, but there's nothing wrong with having a professional actor um, connect with your piece. I mean, that's what we're trained to do. That's what we do is um, connect with stories and tell them. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't, and it's, and it's a lot of work. So, I mean, it's not just sitting down. And um, I have like a beast of a book right now that is like, you know, almost 500 pages that I'm working on. And so like, if your memoir is 90 pages, you know, go for it. But how long is it? Think about what it takes to not only convey your book, but the energy, the endurance and all those things that it takes. Um, If you think you can do it better than a professional actor, I would say do it. And, and keep that consistency, right? Because you have to sound the same on page one as page 499. So right. <laughs> exactly too. right. Exactly. You know, it right. sounds so simple. You know, let, let's just read the book. I'll just read it out loud. You know, it's, it's, but it's not that at all. Dave, I'll tell you from, from all of my experience teaching and coaching, um, there are so many people that you know, partially because we're being inundated with advertising or you have a good voice. You could be a voice actor, right? We get inundated. <laughs> oh my with God. The second we do a search for something voiceover related. Yeah. And there's, um, there's kind of the snake oil salesmen out there that are just churning out. Like you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. And there's so many people out there. They're like, my mom says I have a good voice. I should do voiceover. And, and it's not to disparage any, anyone. I right? mean, Hey, my mom told me I should get into stand up. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, Hey, no, every, I, you I gotta know. have a dream and I never disparage anybody's <laughs> dreams. But at the same time, as Lisa just said, it's a lot of work to get to that professional sound. Right. Um, not just, on the performance side but then on the technical side too you have to treat your space you have to know how to use your microphone you have to in most cases if you are working with a a small budget you're going to have to learn how to edit on your own Um, you're going to have to learn how to make that post-production sound good and that's that's a lot of time that's a lot of investment that people have to be willing to take I mean, go for it if you want to go. I'm someone who like, I've made everything, you know, in my career happen for like anything that I say I'm going to do, I'm going to do it uh, with film or anything that I, I want to make. I say go for it. But I'm also a big fan as I've gotten older of 
of delegating and just hiring really great people who are excellent at their job. Like I used to edit my own books and I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to hire someone who's great at this, who, abs who absolutely loves this. So I'm going to find a way to negotiate for a higher rate to be able to pay someone what they're worth for their time um, to do this excellently so I can move on to the next job. That that's, you know, I mean, it kind of, there's so much to, to doing a book. But if it does come down to paying for good people. I mean, right. we say that about a lot of things, but this is very true because if you have a badly done audiobook, it is a badly done audiobook. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there forever. And, and it is there forever. And I mean, I haven't had all great, you know, knock it out of the park books. I, you know, I finally just hit over a hundred books and I'm sure there's been some, some clunkers in there, but I've definitely put forth like my best effort in everything I've done. Um, I think that um, I want to come back to this really quick because like, what you were saying, like you get what you pay for yeah. um, always. And um, I know you had mentioned this in your email uh, to talk about the future of audiobooks. And I can't, I can't help but say something about how I've seen some emails going around about AI tech and uh, the future of audiobooks and the bottom line of uh, automating. They're not in the position to do this yet, but his voice actors were a little worried um, because you can't automate an audiobook. You just can't. You yeah. just can't. And so, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know either. I, I think it's many, many years away. I don't know all the details about this. I've just in passing seen some brief articles about this and discussion about it, very brief. But to me, it's like painting <laughs> with your voice. And I just don't know. Um, it's, a, it's such a human uh, connection between right. the reader and the listener that yeah, like you can't replace it. You know, yeah. we do have the AI part that shows up in some journalism right now, you know, like the New York Times or whatever that, you know, that that that, that has a reader and it's an AI produced thing where they're reading the, 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 uh, the article or the opinion piece or whatever. That I can understand because you're just trying to you're just trying to put out information. You're just trying to gain some kind of knowledge. But in a story, in a book. It's it's a story. It's a it's a storytelling process. That's a little bit different. Well, it's a lot different, um, really. And and that's the part I think you're talking about, right? Yeah, I think that there's like the fun part about acting, whether it's behind a microphone, on stage, wherever you may be, is that intangible quality that people bring to it. That's why people go see theater. That's why people listen to books. That's why people watch TV every single day. Yeah. Is there's an intangible quality, and that's a very special thing. And it's worth something and yeah. it should be recognized as that. Last yeah. question for you guys. What's the hardest part of this job? What's the hardest part of doing audiobooks? There's so many hardest parts. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the hard thing. Um, I would just say, you know, again, uh, Lisa's experience is going to be a lot more varied than mine um, because all of my experiences have been, you know, large scale production. and. Uh, I would say the hardest, the hardest bit of that is sometimes you create um, what you think the story arc is in your mind, and you have an idea of how something is supposed to go, and then 
you get notes <laughs> and, and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, as actors we're trained, that's part of our, part of our process is to take feedback from people and incorporate it into our performance. Um, I'll just give this very short example that I think encapsulates what I'm talking about beautifully. So <clears throat> I was working on this particular book and the author was in Poland and so maybe there was a little bit of a disconnect in, in the translation. I'm not sure, but this, this was my perception of the conversation. So I got some notes from him before I recorded that said he wanted it to be grounded, gritty, real, cinematic, um, quiet, and not necessarily uh, overly energetic you know it should be it should feel very real as if you're having a conversation with your best friend you know and again this was kind of a, a memoir feel to this um, particular section of this book and I started doing my recording and uh, he sends me some notes that say no 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 um, make it sound like a lifetime movie <laughs> <laughs> and I went, what does that mean? And so I like pulled up some Lifetime movies and I not was like, gritty. <laughs> I was like, this is the opposite of what he told me to do the first time. So I don't know. I mean, so I think that for me is always like trying to guess, trying to translate um, people's notes, especially if they're not, if they are authors and they don't speak actor, it's kind of tough sometimes to, right. to uh, incorporate those notes. But yeah, trying to, that's trying my to meet trying to meet the expectation of what the author hears in his words, his or her words, right? And trying mm -hmm. to meet that expectation. I think, I think that can be difficult. Lisa, is that your experience? Um, no, not as much only because I work so much individually, like one-on-one -on -one with an author. And I do a lot of books that are like cozy mysteries. So I work with the same author sometimes on seven or 10 books mm -hmm. series. So I'll be with an author for like a year or two. Um, and so we kind of have a rapport and that that's usually pretty smooth sailing. Um, the hardest thing for me is whenever I have um, a ton of characters, I, I mean, I love doing series because by book five, I know the characters so well, I can fly in and out of them. And it's that's when books are really, really fun. You're switching voices and, you know, you have five young women and they all sound different because you know exactly who they are. Um, that's very fun. But then when you have a book that's like huge and there's like a ton of men and it's, 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 it, you know, you're trying to come up with different ways. And I'm like, oh my God, that guy sound kind of sounds like John Wayne. No, that, okay. That's the guy who kind of sounds like, like, it's just like really you're trying to make them a whole person and not like a caricature. Right. And, but then you're also trying to keep them separate and, and, and individualized. Right. right? Well, yeah. I can, I started to be able, I used to like keep a little scratch pad with like some vocal notes about like, okay, this character's got like a more nasal thing. We got a, like a New York accent on this one. We're doing something French accent thing here. Like I'll make like little notes, right. Um, or point of view notes. And recently somehow I just memorize how they sound. Um, now if I have to go oh. back to, to another book, um, but I have to record every day. I mean, I have to stay in it. I have to stay in that. Yeah, book. I can't imagine taking time off because you you kind of lose the. That's hard. The whole, the whole thing, yeah. Right. So that becomes that becomes really hard. But then, yeah, if you stay in the story, I can remember how I made 
everyone said, I'll still keep some notes here and there, but it's not as much as how I used to do like character tracks to listen back to grandma on, from day one on day 10. I'm like, what did grandma sound like in chapter one? <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, oh yeah, I know how I made her sound. So, All right. Well, I said that was the last question, but I got to ask you, do you dream these books sometimes? Do you like dream? These <laughs> like you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, this book, I can't leave. It, can't, I, it won't go away. Um, I, <laughs> sometimes I get like this book I'm reading now. I'm actually I'm so I'm not really a big sci fi uh, fantasy person. And I do do some like fantasy stuff. And I think I'm just like really surprised sometimes how much I'm into it. Uh, wow. when the when the writing is so well done um i'm the stories the storytelling is so excellent that i i get excited to to narrate the books um but i have so many stories going on in my head you know we're all doing stuff like we're writing we're auditioning for stuff and yeah i don't i don't fall asleep thinking about it but i definitely am excited to narrate books that draw me into the story the language is beautiful like that's yeah that's the fun that's the fun yeah. part yeah that's great well, you guys have been you guys have been awesome. I appreciate your time today. Uh, it's great talking about audiobooks, and you guys are both wonderful professionals. I wish you the best, and um, good luck with uh, that five hundred. <laughs> halfway <laughs> through, I'm halfway through. <laughs> you got it. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank thanks, you. Dave. Well, it seems the uh, thing to do here is if you're ready to produce an audiobook, whether you're an indie author or a small publisher hire good people, right? A few notes on the podcast today. My novella Sandman is now out from Round Fire Books. Please check it out. And now Rainbow Man, my Substack serialized novel, now available as a paperback. You can find that just about anywhere you look for books. This has been episode 36 of The Writer Shed. I'm David W. Berner. Our music is from IRA Music Production and Interviews produced inside the shed. You can find out more about Writer Shed at Writershed on Medium, and you can also sign up for our newsletter there and find us at Writershed Press on Twitter. The Writershed, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.